Okay. Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Casey Berger. Casey, how are you doing today? Doing great. How about you? Oh, excellent. I find the more I do my intro, the more I screw it up. <laughs> so I have to make sure I say it really, really slowly. Uh, it was great talking to you before we got recording. So like we talked about, we'll go ahead and start right in with that first question. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Yeah, so I feel like writing journey uh, for me definitely encompasses my whole life, but I have a very uh, unusual path to really whatever career you want to talk about. So I'm a, I'm a physics teacher by day, physics professor by day, um, but I didn't start that way. So I actually, you know, as a kid, I, I loved reading stories. I uh, would write all sorts of stuff, just sort of, you know, noodling around with things. It was a fun sort of uh, playground, right? It's a, it's a great place to let your imagination run wild, right? Um, and actually, when I went to college, I studied uh, film and philosophy in my first uh, degree. So I got trained, if you will, in screenwriting. So very classic Hollywood three act structure. I mean, it was that was very much my sort of story uh, style or story structure um, from my, you know, my college training. And I, I went and worked in Hollywood for a few years um, and ended up realizing that I, I missed math and science. I went back to school. Um, but I never gave up writing. So I, you know, during my PhD, I had, I had written a draft of, um, of the book that became First Light uh, oh, wow. before I started my PhD. And I realized, you know, I had sort of the same realization, like, man, I miss storytelling. Now I'm doing all the science, which is great, but I miss <laughs> storytelling. So I, um, I picked it up. I started revising it. I learned so much from the process of revising the book. Um, and I ended up selling it. And I mean, again, I feel like this could, this could go on forever because this is a whole lifetime of learning <laughs> yeah, and experience, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, after selling the first book, then I had to write sequels, which was something I'd never done. So that was a really great sort of learning process. Um, and the first, the first book took 10 years to write, right? 10 years to, to write it, to revise it, to get it ready to sell. And then I had to write two books in two years. So <laughs> I had to completely shift um, how I approached storytelling and how I approached writing. And now I had to think of it as a job, right? It wasn't just a hobby that I could pick up and, and drop whenever I wanted, right? I had mm. to like, I had to crack out books. So um, <laughs> it's been a whole process, a lot of transitions. Um, and I'm excited for all of the sort of the new things left to learn in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's just so funny that you mentioned that, you know, that gap, um, like I was saying before we started recording, like Mallory Kuhn and I had talked about that. And she had said in our, it was our first interview, um, how she had written like 26 uh, drafts of yeah. Uh, among themes and I was like well I feel a lot better about myself right now with my first draft thinking like you know like <laughs> at least like a year and a half and I don't really like it right now as I was fixing it so I just think it's funny that you mentioned that and the other thing I think is funny is um every single author that we've had on so far for February she wrote has talked about the that process of going from Sorry, except for CM Quinn, she's, she's on her first book and now she's writing book two and three. But even she talked about that transition from, you know, book one to book two. So uh, I was just was curious, what did you find the hardest thing about writing the sequel was? Because I know everybody always talks about that book two being really harder than book one even. So what was like the hardest thing you found for writing book two? Yeah, so book two, I... Um... 
I had to get a lot bigger with the world. I mean, mm. book one was an introduction, but it was really just, you know, I, you had to know enough of the world to follow the story and to sort of get hooked and get intrigued into what was going on. Um, and then book two, all of a sudden, um, and not to spoil too much from book one, but there's this much bigger sort of world that you have to be aware of now. And so building my world while, I mean, I'd thought about it, right? I had some ideas of world building, yeah. but it's one thing to sort of have a general idea of what something is like and another thing to like dive into that. You know, so mm -hmm. I have other civilizations that um, all of a sudden in book two, we have a large part of the story set um, in another civilization. And, and I had to really figure out how to, to make all of that feel like it had all been there under the surface <laughs> um, and fit with the plot, right? So like balancing, you know, opening up this world in a much bigger way with still getting across the the points that I wanted to get across in the book yeah. and not getting lost in the world building. That was a huge challenge for sure. Yeah, I feel like it'd be, I feel like it's really difficult. Like I had talked to uh, a couple of people like um, recently, in particular for February, she wrote, and I was trying to think of that same thing where it kind of, kind of, they like the female authors I talked to, they kind of changed my thinking of writing book one. Cause I'm like, well, if I'm going to write book one, and then want to do a trilogy for I'm like, I might as well just add some of these things in. So it's just interesting to hear how people have done that with their world building. Cause I do agree with you. I think you can get easily lost. Cause I thought of it, I was like, well, the wider world is this. And if we go out of this city where, you know, book one is based, I'm like, where do you go? And it's just so interesting to see different people's approaches to, you know, trying to make the world bigger, but not too massive where it's like, you have to reel it in. Yeah. And so you said something earlier about like, you know, feeling maybe a little ambivalent about a draft of your book, right? And being yeah. at this point where you're just like, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> and I, I felt like in book one, it was so easy for me to be like, well, I'm new, like, it's fine. I'm brand new to this. I, you know, I've been writing all my whole life, but this is my first like real novel that I'm going to finish and do something with. Um, and then in book two, when you get to that point where you're like, man, I don't like this. But now you can't be like, well, this is my first book. <laughs> you yeah, have to yeah. say like, this is part of the process. And the fact that I don't like this means something is not working. And instead of just being sad about it, I need to think like, okay, what is this thing that's bothering me and how do I fix it? And like, you have to be a lot more willing to sort of accept that discomfort as part of the process, which is really hard to do. No, I totally agree. And um, I know he wouldn't want it if I mentioned his name, but a friend of mine, uh, another author who has given me a lot of personal advice uh, through private messages on Twitter, um, you know, and we've talked a couple other times, I've been trying to get him on the podcast, but um, he, he talked about that. He was like, Dan, he's like, if you hate your draft by now, he goes, but you have to keep going back to that book. He's like, now you're an author. And I was like, <laughs> Wait, and I didn't understand until just the last couple of, you know, once I finished like the last couple of weeks and I'm like, cause I thought, oh, I'm just going to let it sit in the drawer, go and do something else. Now I know what I'm doing more. It'll be easier, but I just thought, and he, he just kept, you know, resonating in my, my head with that. And I'm like, I think he's right yeah. though. And it's funny how many people have um, brought that up in their own podcast. I've seen a lot of blogs about that recently and things like that. So yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. I think it's uh just one of those uh, baptisms of fire, if you will, for book one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that like transition from being a, a hobbyist writer to being an author, right? You know, it doesn't have to do with whether you've sold a book or how many books you yeah. sold or whether you have an agent. It really has to do with, can you get to that point where you're uncomfortable with what with your writing but you don't give up right you use that to grow you use that to sort of get better and like being able to stare down a draft that you hate and like 
think about it in a sort of clear-eyed way is really hard and I think that's really what makes someone an author. Yeah no totally and I, I like how you put that I think I think you're just totally right with that point that yeah like I, it's like a couple of people told me recently like, there's just like they said that like that's just something you have to do and it's funny because I talked to Mallory about this with like Brandon Sanderson in our second interview where Brandon Sanderson had written like 13 novels but he had never sold one and it wasn't until he actually fixed his novel one of them that he actually sold it um and I just think it's funny because I'm like well I guess I can't go and just write another novel because you know if one of the best of our generation is you know said like that's not he wishes he I went back and just wrote a couple books like two books and you know went back and fixed their drafts and I just stare at mine I'm like I know I know I need to fix you but (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny yeah that's I think that's great advice I think a lot of people will you know I, I want people to think about writing draft one differently um and yeah I, I definitely agree with you I think just not giving up and you know just finding the joy in continuing to fix that draft until you get that yeah. story is important yeah definitely uh I'm really interested in the second question so what is it about science fiction that you enjoy writing the most yeah so um science fiction you know, I think as a physicist, a lot of people expect me to say, oh, I love the science because I do. I love science. Right. I mean, I it's my it's my job. Um, but for me, what I love about science fiction, which I think translates to all speculative fiction. So especially I'm thinking science fiction and fantasy is that there's so much freedom to just explore without being trapped by, you know, this is what's possible here and now. Um it really lets you sort of branch out and um, it it makes the world so ripe for allegory and for metaphor that you can really just um, sort of dig into things in ways that are not, um, they're not going to be directly recognizable to the readers, but they're going to kind of work in the subconscious, right? So it, I think it just, it, it provides such a great opportunity to tell really deep stories in ways that maybe are a little surprising. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I guess my, I always go back to, well, I, I really like in two different ways. I, um, I talked to Jennifer Swift about this, like Star Wars and Star Trek for two very different reasons. And I think that's why those two fandoms are some of the biggest and Warhammer, I think would be another one with the games and the books. You know, there's just something about, science fiction for me that's like I do agree with there's there's just so there's so much you can do and I actually just got done talking to um Richard Lee Byers about this because he's writing uh him and Anna Stevens have both written for Marvel recently uh for Mm -hmm. books with Asgard um so he's on book two right now and I think she's just coming out with her book too but it's interesting that they you know they said they're like well it's a mix between fantasy and science fiction and um I had talked to a couple of people who are really into science fiction and for me that's really interesting because I guess I never really considered it because they kind of went with the point that like, really, you know, like if you look at ancient peoples, like what they consider, we consider science, they consider magic and, you know, and anatomy and things like that. And I'm like, that's true, you know, and I don't know, they kind of made me think of science fiction in a, a, you know, in a different light, because really, you know, if you, there's just so much out there, I feel like we don't know. And, you know, I love reading about just different planets or, you know, the solar system. And I just think that there's so many cool things with science where it's like, there's all the times I'm like, oh, that'd be a really cool story, you know, and it's like, I just feel like it's so ripe, and, you know, that feels like people keep coming back to the genre, personally, you know, or things that, you know, it's like, 
what are the possibilities, you know, when you look up and it's like, they're all right there, you know? So for me, it's, it's pretty cool to, you know, to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that connection to like myth and, and Mm. this question of like, where does science, where do we separate something from magic and make it science? Right. And then with science fiction, you can kind of go the other way and you can take something that's science and you can make it feel like magic. Um, I think that this callback to those earliest questions of like, you know, who are we? Mm -hmm. Why do we matter? Like those big questions, that curiosity is still very there in human nature and and science fiction and fantasy is a great way to sort of scratch that itch and and ask questions without necessarily using science to answer them, but using, you know, science fiction or fantasy to answer them instead. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I, I've been trying to raise awareness more um, for Mary Shelley with Frankenstein, um, you know, because you think of, she's the original I, I, I you know because she was I think I believe I have to double check but I believe she was you know the original urban fantasy writer you know if you or yeah. you know or science fiction you know and it's like but I think a lot of people skip over that she's the original urban fantasy writer um not only skipping her for science fiction but also urban fantasy and if you really look at that book you know and really dissect those things that's what she's doing though right is she's trying to come up with the you know those questions of why are we afraid of the dark you know, mm-hmm. what is our survival about? Where does life actually come from? Can we actually learn how to create life in a different way? Um, you know, other than just, you know, giving birth and things like that. And for her to be a woman and to come up with that story, um, you know, like being able to have a child, but coming up with, you know, those different questions and trying to solve them in a story, I think made that story and those characters come to life more. And my buddy actually just wrote a paper on this. He, we both agree that he did a lot of research into the psychology. He said, I think if a man wrote that, it wouldn't be nearly as good because, you know, like she really had that connection with, you know, just, I think, you know, with like that question of how do you give life in different ways other than just giving birth. And to me, that was just so interesting when you pointed it out and I'm like, it it just made me think of that whole book in a whole different light. And I'm like, how, like, how did you come up with that story? Like, that's what I really want to know. And a lot of people always talk about like Lord Byron or something and her, I'm like, no, that was her, that was her story. And it always oh, makes absolutely. me, I want to have like dinner with her, you know, and like be like, <laughs> how, how did you do that? Like just write notes. And yeah, like, cause you, you know, you completely come up with a new genre. It's like, especially at that time, if you look historically, you know, it's like, it's crazy to think about, but I do agree with you. It's like, I feel like she was trying to answer, you know, those mm-hmm. basic questions uh, with a science fiction story, um, yeah. which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, well, and Frankenstein too, I mean, it blurs those genre lines, which now we've really, like, when you go into a bookstore, it's like, you know, the science fiction and the fantasy and the, the horror, those are all, those are three different sections, and they're usually together in some way, yeah. right? but um, Frankenstein is all of those things, right? Yeah. It's just, it's speculative fiction, right? It's this yeah. really sort of open, like, playground of, okay, so I want to ask this question about what what is this responsibility that we have when we give life, right, when we create life? Mm. What does power, this power mean in terms of its consequences and and she just took it and ran with it um and it's yeah yeah, yeah. it's a really really exceptional story well it's crazy to think even you know like with like cloning and you know even like stem cell research and just different things that we're able to do now and it's like to think that somebody like and Edgar Rice Burroughs is one of those people too where I'm like how did you know some of those things and you know are going to happen you know what I mean like H.G. Wells it's like it's just weird, you know, and it's, it's cool to think that, you know, some of the things that writers like you are writing now 
might actually be reality in the future in 400 years, you know, like, like they might be looking back at your book and being like, wow, you know, how did Casey know that about us? <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool to think pure about. Pure random luck. <laughs> it would have to be pure random Like I can't imagine predicting that far in the future. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it though, right? Because these people did. So for me, it's just cool because it's like, I feel like with science fiction, you know, there is this, um, you know, this timekeeper sort of aspect, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just because it's crazy how many times you look at a science fiction writer and, you know, and then, you know, look at what they think is science fiction and then, you know, really does come into reality, you know, like cell phones, computers, you know, just different things, you know, it's just, it's, and my friend made, and this is not mine, this is my friend uh, who made a good point. He's like, what if some of these science fiction authors are, you know, are actually predicting like these ones did, what's going to happen in the next hundred years? I'm like, that's pretty cool to think about, so. <laughs> well, I think, so one of the interesting things to, to me about that is um, I think it shows that science is actually a very creative mm. field. Yeah. Because it's not that science fiction writers necessarily are tuned into something that's like something about the future. It's more that they're tuned into what people want and what yeah. people are interested in. And And that this imagination that maybe originates in science fiction or or not originates that we see in science fiction actually originates just in, in the human mind. And we're seeing it totally differently in science as invention. So I think it's uh, I think that those, those threads are a lot closer together than most people think. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I do think, I just personally think that, you know, people, for instance, like in your field, I think, I just don't, I think there's so many people I know where it's like, I think they don't get a lot of credit because they're scientists with being creative. And I'm thinking like, I'm like, and a mathematician too, I'm like, you have to be so creative to think of these problems in different ways and how to solve them. I'm like, and I know so many science, you know, scientists personally who are, you know, who are artists, who are sculptors, who are writers, who are journalists, you know, who just do so many cool things. And I'm like, I think you have to be a creative person to be a scientist. (laughs) And I just think a lot of people think it's in different fields. And I'm like, it, it really makes me question like logic. I'm like, really? Like, I just feel like you have, like, you can't just be smart. You have to be creative, you know? And I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that you have to be, you know, creative to be in your field. And I just don't see any other way around saying it. Like you have to be, I mean, otherwise you're not going to discover anything or, you know, um, help improve, you know, cause that's science, right? It's like trying to help improve yeah. the environment or our lives. It's like, if you're not creative, how are you going to be able to solve a problem? it's like step one in the process is coming up with a hypothesis right it's like if you're not creative how are you going to come up with uh, a solution to that problem it just it doesn't make sense absolutely yeah but I totally agree with you that's that's a great insight right there that's awesome uh so now we get to your job so I was really (laughs) interested uh when I first saw on your books pop up on Goodreads because I had seen your profile so how has your job influenced the type of science fiction that you write Yeah. So, I mean, part of me wants to say, well, it hasn't because I wrote first light before I went back to school. And so I wasn't a physicist yet. Right. But I think that that is not the full truth. It's sort of an incomplete uh, explanation. So I think that what drives me as a writer and what drives me as a scientist is sort of the same thing. And we've already Mm -hmm. kind of touched on this, this idea of curiosity of asking these sort of deep questions, but answering them in completely different ways. Um, and I, I think that the sci-fi that I write um, really likes to ask these questions about sort of what is real? Um, how do things work? Um, so a really common or not common, but a really deep thread and a really um, 
frequently occurring theme in the Resonance Saga is this question about fate and, you know, are we fated to be a certain way? Um, is it sort of like going back to my philosophy background is, you know, is it a deterministic universe or not, right? Are mm. we, are we um, able to make conscious decisions and break free of, of old sort of patterns or is everything predetermined? Um, and that's a question that's really deep in quantum mechanics as well. So a lot of the, mm. so my research is in computational quantum mechanics. And a lot of those questions arise um, through, through, um, through quantum mechanics because the mathematical description of it is entirely to do with probabilities, right? I shouldn't say entirely. That's a very, very big word. But um, the way that we describe the behavior of quantum particles is through probability. And so this inherently raises this question of, you know, um, is, is this deterministic or is it random? Can, you know, the, the, the classical physics world is very causal, right? So A happens and that leads to B and then C. Yeah. Um, and quantum mechanics is not as clear. And so I think a lot of these same questions sort of uh, show up both in my research and in my writing. Um, but I wouldn't say that, you know, as a physicist, I'm naturally going to write certain kinds of, of sci-fi. But I think as a, a person who's interested in particular questions, those are mm -hmm. going to arise. Every, everything I touch is going to have these questions in it somehow. Oh, that's cool. I, I think that's that's a terrific answer. And I always like asking people that because it seems like a pretty mundane question, but I find that authors always answer it in a very unique way. And I've never gotten the same answer twice, not not even remotely. So, but that's really cool. I, I think you bring up, you know, a really, a really interesting aspect. And it's one reason why I do this uh, channel is to um, learn from, you know, what everybody has to say and how you think uh, to kind of think about how I think. And, you know, uh, I'm a martial artist. So it's like, you know, you get like the other day I did something and I was like, why did that take me like 15 years to figure out? And it doesn't even seem like it's a hard thing, but you know, all of a sudden you understand this concept And my instructor looked at me like, Oh, you got it. You know? And I just thought it was interesting. So when you say that, that to me really, it really makes me think different about why I write certain things that I write. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I really like that answer. It really has me thinking now. <laughs> I think it'll <laughs> have good. a lot of audience, you know, people thinking the same is like, why do I write these things? You know, cause I do, you know, I write fantasy. So, um, and urban fantasy and things like that. And I, I think I do, I use a lot of history cause it's what I know. It's what I enjoy, but mm -hmm. I guess I always wonder why. So now you have me thinking more like, <laughs> why do I write certain characters or certain situations that way? But yeah, that's a great answer. You're going to be thinking about that all night now. That's uh, good. I did my job as a writer <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. a professor. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Make people <Yeah>. think. <laughs> I was gonna say, if I had yeah uh, classes like yours, I'd probably be doing more science fiction. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for that fourth one, so what subgenre of science fiction do you enjoy writing the most, and why is that your favorite? Yeah, so I will have to take the cop-out answer here and say I don't have a favorite. Oh, um, cool. The Resonance Saga is space opera, which was really fun to write. And I think um, one of the powers of space opera is its flexibility, that it can be any kind of story just set in space. Um, so I, I really liked that about space opera. But the novel that I'm working on now is actually near future hard sci-fi. Um, and I, you know, it... I think a lot of the reason I'm open to exploring any subgenre of, of speculative fiction is that the story that I'm trying to tell is going to be different in different environments, right? Mm. So the story that I'm trying to tell now 
wouldn't work as well in a space opera setting. I could probably tell it, but it would lose a lot of its power, I think, if it mm. wasn't set in a near future world. So um, those questions of, of fit, you know, where does the story belong? Um, you can say the same thing about characters, right? So who should be telling this story? Who needs to be embodying this, this character arc? Um, those are the really fun parts for me about um, the early parts of writing a book, right? The, the brainstorming, the outlining is figuring out, you know, the, the who, the what, and the when um, for the why. I think I start with the why and the rest of the pieces have to, have to fit the question mm. that I'm asking. So I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I really don't. No, that's a great answer. And I, I, I always tease my friends about this because I'm like, you say that you like this one. And then I'm like, really? People say that your subgenre is really this. It's <laughs> just always <laughs> funny. But I do, you mentioned something amazing though, that you start with the why. And I think personally, I find that very difficult for myself. And I've talked to some authors recently who said the same thing. Like, um, you know, I think because I, I'm trying to be more of a planner and, but I usually like, I'm an exploratory writer, you know, and it's like, but I'm trying to be more of a planner because you can't just, you could write for years, which I've done for 14 years and not accomplish anything. So I'm trying to plan more, but like, I like how you mentioned that. Cause I have found that I have trouble with the why and mm -hmm. I come up with the why as I'm going, you know, I have these characters mm -hmm. who are doing these things. And as I'm writing, that's one thing that I discover is the why. Uh, so I do find that interesting. Um, your comment there that that you have the why first and I do think that's an important thing to to point out to the audience that I personally feel like if you have the why you should go with the why <laughs> my way my way is not efficient and I'm trying to get better at that but I do find it interesting that you mentioned that so that, that to me is it's always funny when people say things like that because I think about that constantly and I'm like how do I get myself you know there for the why so would you say that that's like a natural thing that you just naturally start with the why or did you have to work at that at all or so I think, I think the way I said it made it sound way simpler than it is, which is that <laughs> I start with the why, but right. Yeah. It's so yeah. easy to like say something in a sentence and then yeah. actually it's, you know, really you could write a whole novel about that one sentence. Yeah, yeah, totally um, but I think, I think I always start with a question, but I maybe can't mm. articulate the question yet. And so um, I'm part discovery writer, part planner. Um, and I find that. I, I can usually figure out enough of my question that I want to ask to start mm. writing something. And then I can, as I write, I figure out, okay, no, 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 this is how, this is how it all fits. This is the question I'm really trying to get at. And then from that, I can plan out the book and, and then mm. I can write it. Um, but I think that whatever your entry into the story is, is completely valid that different people have different story seeds and whatever process works for you, whatever it is that gets you excited, you know, using the general you, right? You specifically, but also anyone who, who wants to write, whatever gets you excited should be what you start with because that motivation is so important. Um, and then you can flesh out the rest of it later and you can kind of fill in all the other details, but maybe, you know, maybe for someone it's the who, right? They have a character really, really well imagined in their head and they know exactly who this person is. And then they have to design a story around that person. Or maybe it's a, a plot set piece that they know they want to write about and, and they have to figure out, okay, well, who, who needs to be here in order for the set piece to happen? Um, so don't, I don't think you have to 
to feel like you have to start with a why. Um, start with whatever is exciting and then you know, find all of the other pieces that fit with that piece that you're excited about and, and go from there. No, I, I just think that's that's terrific advice. And uh, by the way, I, I would call you more of a great Jedi there, right? Because you do some outlining <laughs> and discovery. So you heard it, heard it here first, folks. Okay. Casey Berger is a great Jedi when it comes to planning or discovery writing. Uh, but I just find it interesting <laughs> you say it because I had read a, somebody's blog post recently. I feel really bad because I can't remember because I read too many in a week, but it was brilliant. And they talked about how every writer's like on the outside of a swimming pool. And no matter if you go in the shallow end or halfway or the deep end or the diving board, everybody gets into the pool where they're comfortable and then, you know, does their thing. So I really liked how you, you said that. Um, and I totally agree with you. I, I think really just, the, I always tell my clients and my students that the first part's to start, right? <laughs> as soon as you get started, yeah. then you can figure it out. But yeah, I, just, I think that's exactly. terrific advice. All right. So if there was one science fiction, I stole this from a friend of mine because uh, he asked me <laughs> the other day. Uh, so thank you, Dan uh, Lerner. Uh, if there's one science fiction character from a book, story, or movie that you could go on an adventure with, who would it be and why? This is a hard question. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Han Solo. Then I was like, no. And then I was like, I, I went to John Luke Picard and I, I was all over the place. So I didn't really yeah. come up with the answer. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think part of the difficulty for me is I don't feel like very much of an adventurer. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's why they come and know. get you, right? That, that'd be a I great know. book. Like, they, they come and get you and then they take you off and, you know, into their space yeah. or whatever, like, like the last starfighter or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like so. And there are so many great, there are so many characters that I want to sit down and pick their brains. Right. Oh, but yeah. I, I think if it came down to like, who would I want at my side if I was on an adventure? Um, there are, two that I really, I, I can't like decide between. Oh, so give us two. <laughs> um, so Garrus Vakarian from the Mass Effect oh, series. That'd be cool. Yeah. I feel like definitely someone you want by your side if trouble is happening. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, good friend, loyal to the end and always going to have a snarky comment to keep you entertained. Right. So like, if you're going to be on a long journey, like you, that's who you want by your side. Um, so that was, that was sort of the, the one that I kept coming back to, but um, another character that I would really love to see in action, um, and this may be a less well-known one for some, is um, Olivia Dunham from the Fringe series, um, oh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a television series, yeah. Oh, that's a so, great series. <laughs> that's so good, right? Very underrated. I mean, yeah, talk about asking really deep questions. I yeah. mean, they do some subtle things in that show um, really spectacularly. But I guess in a lot of ways, there's similarities to Garris here. So maybe I'm coming up with some themes here, but this, she's a, you know, she's hardworking. She will always see it through. Um, she thinks on her feet and she is just a good friend and just a good person. I think that's a big one for me. It's like just having a big heart um, and, and being someone who you would want to share the good and the bad with. <laughs> Um, so those, I think those are the two that I would, I would most want to come on an adventure with me. I think those are both really great answers. My friend asked me and I was like, I just kept going from person to person. He's like, you can't do that. You have to pick. I was like, I <laughs> so I'm like trying to try to figure it out for a future episode. Yeah. And I think I might expand on a little bit more and then ask the audience to get some uh, feedback. But yeah, though, I think those are both great answers. Man, fringe. I, I haven't thought about that show in a couple of years my friend and I like blew through quite a few episodes like right off the bat and then 
uh, I didn't end up finishing. So I'm definitely gonna have to go back and do that now. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'm gonna just go right out there and say, I think it's one of the best series finales of anything what that I've, I've ever watched on television. So yeah, yeah. it's what I've heard. <laughs> I, so now I hope you like it because no, otherwise yeah. it's gonna be very sad. We're, we're gonna have to, my buddy and I, we're gonna have to once once it's like springtime and COVID's hopefully calmed down again, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do that. Yeah. So now you put it in back yeah. in my head. So I just got um, oh we were um, I'm trying to finish sliders actually, um, and then a couple other ones. Uh, I'm almost done uh, with a couple other sci-fi series um, from like you know sci-fi and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, like one is I would like to get done with like like Eureka. Uh, I just feel like there's so many great sci-fi TV series to get caught up on. It's like, and now with streaming, I just feel like it's so much easier than tracking down, you know, DVDs and stuff like that. But yeah, Fringe is definitely one that I'm going to have to finish up. I, there were just so many things that I had talked about with my friend from the show where it's like, I feel like it's very hard to pick a favorite episode for that show. And there's just so many, I do agree with, there's a lot of nuances and things. And my friend's really great at science and has that understanding. So we'd watch the episode and he'd explain it to me and I'm like oh wow you know and he's like yeah then there's this and that and I think we were just got halfway through like season two or something like that and then we mm-hmm. had to stop because of the pandemic but yeah I'm gonna have to go back our audience here if you have not watched Fringe just go and do it and go watch don't it spoil the ending <laughs> for me okay because <laughs> I'm kind of busy right now oh that's awesome yeah those are two great great uh people to go on adventure with I'm gonna have to really be thinking about that one now okay so now I'm really excited for this question. Always asking people about what their books are about. So, what is your resonance? Now, is it a trilogy? I know there's three. Yes. Something that it's they a got trilogy. Mad they're like, it's a. They're like, I'm not writing a trilogy. I'm writing five books. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, I probably should have asked, but there are only three on Goodreads. So, uh, so what is yeah. the resonance resonance trilogy about? Yeah, so the Resonance Trilogy starts as sort of a, you know, I was saying earlier, space opera is like any kind of story in space. Well, this is political intrigue set in space. It's set in the far future Milky Way galaxy, um, 500 plus years from now. Um, And so humans have made first contact, you know, a century prior to the the story. And so there's this, um, there are three galactic superpowers, uh, the Sakante Federation, the Narayan Empire, and the United Human Nations. So First Flight, the first book in the series, follows three people, one from each of these three superpowers. Um, so from the Sakante Federation, we have a scientist named Tynan, um, and Tynan's research has been stolen out from under him, and he's trying to get it back. Um, it, from the Narayan Empire, we have Mara. Mara is a bounty hunter, and she is um, actually on the run from her own family. So she's trying. So Tynan is trying to get his research back. Mara is trying to run away. Um, and then the third person is from the United Human Nations. It's Jaya. Um, and Jaya is a naval intelligence officer. She uh, lost her family in an attack on her home as a child. Um, her parents were killed and her brother was taken away. But she knows he's still alive. So she's trying to find him. Um, and so the, these three people, their stories come together. Um, their paths intersect. And they uncover a much deeper mystery about what's going on in the galaxy. And then... Um, the future books, uh, Ursa Major and, and Dark Stars, which are the second and third book in the trilogy, um, sort of explore the consequences of this, this mystery they uncover. So I won't say much more than that to avoid spoilers, um, but you know, we talked a little bit about starting with the why, and so yeah. this story is very much a story about resilience and hope, um, even in the darkest of times. So that's, uh, that's the short version. Uh, you'll have oh, to cool. read them all to find out the long version. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm excited. Uh, a buddy of mine, um, who actually was sharing your, I 
think it was the trilogy the other day on Twitter, which is where I found your stuff after Goodreads. I was like, oh, that's cool. I just saw this pop up in my Goodreads. Uh, so I was like, okay. So I checked out First Light. So I was waiting to get my Kindle. So I'm almost done setting it up today. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think if anybody in the audience needs more than that, that uh, uh, they really shouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> this, is, this, is not the pod- this is not the podcast we're looking for. Uh, yeah, those, those characters sound awesome. I always personally like, you know, stories are great, but I, I just think that, you know, if I'm reading the, you know, your blurb and, you know, I really liked when I was reading your blurb, what it said about the characters and I was just like, okay, sold. <laughs> my friend, he goes, because you really need to work more on how you're reading blurbs. I'm like, nope. I'm like, if I find it interesting or, you know, especially find the characters interesting or you have a cool concept, I'm like, I- I'm there, you know, especially for science fiction, fantasy, maybe historical fiction. I need a little bit more, but yeah, I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But you, I think you explained that really well. Um, it was great. I think a lot of people get scared about, you know, <laughs> advertising the book, but uh, they can just watch this one, uh, this podcast and see how you did it and, you know, make it really good, like a blurb. So yeah, that's awesome. I will say it never, it's, it never feels easy <laughs> Except for anyone who's out there like, oh, I don't know how to talk about my book. I was literally saying that five minutes ago. <laughs> so it does not get easier. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, to be fair, Stephen King just said that the other day, uh, three weeks ago, he just, uh, he said, um, he goes, I always find book, you know, book blurbs the hardest. He goes, I can't ever f- figure out how to explain my book. And he said, I have written so many books. He goes, I always start a book and it feels like the first time. So I think we can all get rid of those notions that it's <laughs> going to get any easier and just accept that, you know, it's just going to be one of those things. But then again, that's why I write like a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of authors in the world and writers, right. But how many people have actually, you know, written a book, you know, I feel like it's still, very small. Like in my town the other day, I just met a horror writer who's writing a, uh, his first novel. And like, we just met randomly sitting at a counter <laughs> waiting for it to go food and talk for like 20 minutes. And uh, I just thought it was really cool. Cause I'm like, in my town, there's just not many, very many of us. I tried starting a, a Ithaca writers uh, group or society. And it, it was me. <laughs> I know there's other people, but there's only a couple, couple science fiction and fantasy writers in town uh, who, you know, have actually you know, written or want to talk to people. So <laughs> I feel like we're still the minority, but uh, that's a great answer though. I'm really excited to, to get first light um, as soon as I can figure out my Kindle later today. <laughs> it might be tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so who are some science fiction writers or authors and it could be fantasy, it could be anybody. So who are some authors or writers that have inspired you to write? When I was a kid, I was very much a fantasy reader. Oh, cool science fiction. Um, I really didn't get into sci-fi until much later in life. Um, But the people who really, I think, captured my imagination and made me want to do what they did. um, The one that stands out the most, that sort of stands the test of time and looking back, like I'm still in awe of, um, is the the His Dark Materials series by Philip Pullman. That was sort of maybe one of the first times that I was just like, wow, like, you know, books can really, and, and, and speculative books can change everything. <laughs> um, so, and that's sort of, I mean, that's fantasy, but it, it sort of straddles science fiction and fantasy. Oh, yeah. I would say that that's a genre bending series yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I also really loved uh, Tamara Pierce and the Song of the Lioness series. So those were sort of my, you know, as a kid, the books that I really uh, were, was inspired by. Um, as I got older and sort of really started thinking a lot more about 
why I care about science fiction and fantasy and why I'm so uh, drawn to it, the authors who really inspire me and, and to this day are, you know, on my list of, of people whose books I am obsessed with um, are N.K. Jemisin, um, mm. just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Ursula Le Guin. Oh, just heck a, yeah. <laughs> the master of the craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Cameron Hurley. So those are the mm. sort of three names that like, as soon as something of theirs comes out, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Um, yeah. They blend just amazing character development with really fantastical worlds and the prose is just top notch. And I mean, the kind of, of tough questions that they, they aren't afraid. They don't, they don't shy away from them. Right. And I, that's what I love about their writing. And that's what continues to inspire and motivate me to, to do better at my own writing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I tell you, uh, the first time I discovered a Wizard of Earthsea, I it, it blew my mind. I had to like, I got it done, and then in like a night, and then I had to go find book two. And then it was like the you know the internet was just coming about, and it was like I couldn't like used bookstores were not really around very much in my town, and it was like having to order it. So I like but had to find book three just like randomly. Uh, I just reread them actually during the pandemic. I just think that yeah. I have a couple other words of her too. Like I, like her and Ray Bradbury um, and then uh, Anne McCaffrey, I feel like um, with Dragon mm-hmm. Riders of Purr, just, they were some of the first like fantasy and science fiction uh, books that I've read outside of Star Wars. Um, and it really like, but yeah, Wizard of Earth Sea just like opened my eyes to fantasy. And I am really thankful to her because then I read Tolkien, I read The Hobbit, um, and I just end up reading a lot more fantasy because of it. Cause I was really only reading science fiction before that or like historical fiction, but yeah, that's a great list right there of, of authors. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Ursula Kayla Gwen's on, on mine. There's just so many people I know that yeah. you know, I've been inspired, like, and it's crazy to think, right. My, um, um, my friend, he said, he was like, you got to think like, how big are those books? You know, was it a Ursula? Yeah. Like, she did a lot. <laughs> yeah. She did a lot with that magic system in those tiny books, you know, and some of her others aren't even that big. And to think of, you know, the world she created and the ideas that, you know, I just think there's, I think if you look at a lot of people, you know, that I've talked to over the years, it's just so funny how if there's one person on the list, I feel like she pops up more than anybody, but I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. She can do more with a few words than anyone. I mean, she, and, and she does it in a way that you don't notice it's happening until yep. you're hooked. I remember reading for the first time Wizard of Earthsea and being like, oh, it's just like a story about a kid who, you know, is a mage, right? Like yeah. it's, you know, generic middle grade fantasy. And then about halfway through, I was just like, wow, like she's <laughs> just, there's just, she's doing all of this stuff with the world and these big questions and and I was so hooked and I didn't notice it happening until I was yeah. halfway through. And that was just like, wow, um, she's really exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I went and reread her during the pandemic, I think that's probably the fourth or fifth time I went through um, the first three books again on, and I, I think I'm just holding off on book four. Cause I just don't want Ursi to end. Um, <laughs> but as a writer studying her writing and just world building and things, I, I got done with book three and I was just like still astounded. I'm just like, like to feel the weight of the decisions and the characters. I'm just like, I was so mesmerized. I think even more, you know, with now knowing more about writing and things. And, you know, it's like, I feel like it's like, you know, going to the Empire State Building as a kid, but then actually becoming an architect or engineer and knowing how they did it. It's just a lot different. And you just have a lot more, 
you know, respect for the beauty and the crap. But yeah, I just always shake my head. I'm like, I wish we had, you know, there's other books of hers. I'm really piecemealing them, you know, so I don't just finish. Ray Bradbury is another yeah. one I'm trying to do that with because I feel like once I've read all of their books, it's like that magic's kind of gone a little bit for me. So I'm really trying to, to wait a little bit, but. I think that's really funny that you said that, especially considering some of the themes of, of Earthsea. I feel like, I feel like maybe you should just read it all the way through. <laughs> that's fair. My friend said that. He was like, I said, yeah. I said, well, here's my thing though. I said, when I get to book four, I said, I have no pro, I have absolutely no problem going through them all again in order. And I actually yeah. plan on doing that with my friend from book club because he's never read Wizard of Earthsea. And I'm like, dude, yeah. I'm like, we, we re- we're reading uh, Malazan Book of the Fallen right now uh, with both Erickson and Ian Esselman's books. Um, we're loving them, but I told him, I'm like, if you like these, I'm like, we really gotta, you know, get you into some some key people for the genre. You know, he's read like uh, George R. R. Martin and some other people, but you know, he's like, who, who's Ursula K. Le Guin? And I was like, I got this. <laughs> I was like, I got this. So I'm about to buy him a set. So I hope he's not watching this. I'm about to buy him a set of all four books. Uh, so I'm really hoping this summer we can just kind of go through quick, but yeah, I know, uh, I know it's gotta end at some point, but uh, <laughs> hoping it kind of be like the never ending story and never really end, but got to at some point. All right. Well, you had a lot of really great things to say. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming uh, for that last question there. Uh, do you have any promos, news updates, new projects, things like that you'd like to promote before we get done? Yeah. So the new projects are all a little too new to talk about. So uh, you'll have to keep your, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but my website, so caseybergerbooks.com, um, you can sign up for my newsletter. You can, um, um, when you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get access to uh, the secret library, which has a bunch of uh, excerpts and short stories. Um, and being a newsletter subscriber, I only um, send quarterly newsletters, so I won't I won't flood your inbox, but you will be the first to know things and uh, get early access to some of those like short stories. So right now it's all stuff set in the resonance universe. So oh, cool. if you want more backstory and more, you know, sort of side quest type stuff, uh, it's all on, it's all on there. So uh, oh, yeah, cool. caseybergerbooks.com. Awesome. Well, as usual for our audience, I will be putting uh, Casey's website in the description for everywhere that this podcast is found, uh, along with other places that you can find her books, uh, Goodroots profiles, things like that. You guys in the audience know I like to throw everything that author has in those descriptions. Um, that way you guys can go right there and find any, you know, any uh, Casey's websites and get to her books a lot more easily. I know sometimes people are kind of like, oh, I have to go and find this person. So I try to make it <laughs> as easy as possible. I like that too. That's why I just use Twitter and I just click on everybody's profile and go right to their yeah. books. But well, re- again, really want to thank you for coming on Casey. Um, I feel like I learned a lot from this conversation and uh, please, you know, when you have the, you know, your next project, you know, ready to go you know, please, you know, think of us and we'd love to help you, you know, with the promoting of that, um, you know, that next project book, whatever it may be. Um, really look forward to, you know, seeing what you have in the future for that project. That sounds really cool. Uh, in the meantime, I know myself and the audience will be, uh, you know, checking out the Resonance Trilogy and seeing what those three books are about. You have me really intrigued with those characters. So I'm definitely <laughs> excited to, to read personally. So um, again, our audience, you know, you can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, on Spotify. We're hoping by the time that this is out, um, this interview with Casey, that we can have the website up and running. Uh, I know we're going to be working really hard on that the next couple of weeks here in January. So we're hoping by February 1st that that is up and running. So you actually be able to go right to Casey's profile on the show or on the um, link for the show on our website. And you'll be able to go down to this episode. Uh, again, all the descriptions for those author profiles 
will be right there for their websites, things like that. Everything's tried to make so you guys can find their books very easily. Again, Casey, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really look forward to talking in the future on Twitter and social media. And again, like I said, hopefully we can have you back really soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was a pleasure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Anytime you want to come on and talk about fantasy sci-fi or teach us anything about science, like feel free. <laughs> I feel like myself and a lot of people that want to write science fiction probably need it. So <laughs> we could call it like Casey's <laughs> Corner or something like that and go from there. So <laughs> sounds like fun. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We have right. a great rest of the Sunday and I will talk to you again soon, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks,